So for the last two or three weeks, we've been talking about transformation or what it, the Bible means by transformed. So it's, it's nothing new here. I like to go on cruise ships. I do. I don't know why. I just do. I like it. I think I like it because this is the, the nicest way. I get to see the country for nearly nothing. And there's a whole, you know, did you know there's a whole other world outside of Carter County? <laughs> My mother and father would never leave Carter County. One time we went to Marshall County. That was a big deal. And uh, went to bait shop and went to Latex Alma, but they they would they would never before my dad died. I told him, Gail and I went on our first cruise. My dad was a vet, excuse me. My dad was World War II veteran. He drove tanks in Italy and Morocco and quite a soldier in the infantry, quite a soldier. And uh, but I told him, I said, I come back on a cruise. I said, Dad, I'd like for you to go on a cruise. He said, I'm not going. And and that's kind of like, unlike my dad. Now my dad was either black or white. That's just the way it was. He said, I'm not going. I said, why not, Dad? He said, because when they kicked us out of Morocco, we had to sail home on a ship. And he said, for about five days, I spent five days and five nights on the front part of the bow of a ship going up and going down. And he said, vomit would go up and vomit would go down. And I said, Dad, it's not the same thing. And I'll behold, I get on the next ship and it was the same thing. But besides that, you learn some things. You just learn some things. And, and I get out there and people say, what do you do? I really don't do anything. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, watch this. He said, therefore, labor to enter into his rest. And you think it's an oxymoron. Kapalzo is a word for labor. It means strenuous work. One of the hardest things that we as believers do, we've got to learn to do, the hardest thing we do is learn just to rest in the finished work of Christ. We feel like we got ADD and all the other spiritual alphabet letters. So we get out there and you learn some things. But I'll tell you this morning, before we get into transformation, a couple cruises ago, they don't talk about rattlesnakes and tornadoes on the cruise ship. You get off down there in the Cayman Islands in Jamaica and where they drive you crazy. You're Jamaican me crazy. That's what I got Gala t-shirt. You're Jamaican me crazy. But, but they talk about all types of, of, of creatures in the ocean. That's what you learn. That's what you learn. And about two cruises ago, I learned a deal about good old Mr. Crab, the crab. And I wasn't talking about Neil Ashby, another good old Mr. Crab. The blue crab lives somewhere between 8 and 12 years, his lifespan. And so on the television there, and they got all kinds of documentaries, or they got things you can go see, and everything from what's beneath the surface, what's below the surface, and what they don't even know that's in the surface of the water, they have all types of great information that if you want to go study it, which I did. I like it because I'm used to Oklahoma rattlesnakes and tornadoes, and I really want to see what's going on in other parts of the world. And they did a documentary deal on crabs. And, and so I wrote this for you. It's a life lesson by Mr. Crab, and I don't mean on SpongeBob. <laughs> the crab life is marked by its passing through successive shells. They only continue to grow as long as they dare to break out of their shells. And when they refuse to break through, then the crab stops growing and they die. Suffocated by their own shell, and their last shell becomes their coffin. Now, when I heard this, it got my attention. 
Because I don't know about you, but if, if the Bible says that, but when you're spiritually minded, everything relates to your spiritual man. Whether it be past the salt or past the mustard, whatever it may be. The Bible says that blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. The word see God, it means you'll see God in everything. He'll give you spiritual analogies of everything, analogies. So what happens is, to put this in simple form, because Philip went to Long Grove, so what happens is, the blue crab, about every year, that because of all the seawater and the algae and the barnacles and everything that will rest upon him, it, he begins to grow, but he begins to outgrow it. So he has to bust out of that shell. And, and as he busts out of that shell, he kind of starts all over. But being in the environment that he is, all this other debris and barnacles, seawater and all this other junk begins to set upon him and encase him once again. And he goes through this cycle about every year. He, it's, his, it's his environment. It's his surrounding. Nobody's trying to knife him and nobody's trying to hijack him. It's his surrounding that he lives in. And all this debris from the ocean is settling up on his back. And year after year, he has to struggle to break through successive shells, but there comes a point in his life where he's tired of the fight. And somewhere in his lifetime, he asks the question, is it really worth the struggle? And last year was, was COVID-19, and this year it's omnivirus or whatever it's called. Is it really worth the struggle? Is it really worth the fight? Is it really worth this? And somewhere, the good old blue crab makes a decision that I've got too weak to fight it anymore, and his environment suffocates him, and his shell becomes his coffin and he winds up at El Tapatio on the Blue Crab Special Dinner. <laughs> Anybody here been saved more than 30 minutes? 10 years. 20 years. 30 years. Does it get any easier? And the older you get, the more you begin to ask yourself specific questions. What's the use? I thought last year was bad, but this year is horrible. I said last year it couldn't get any worse, and I made a liar out of myself. Don't ever say what's next. Don't ever say that. And if you're not careful, we as believers, that either we are developing or we are deteriorating. But something is going on in your life. You're not standing still and you're not stagnated. As we talked about, neither is the earth on our axis. And over a thousand miles an hour, she spins so fast that it looks like she's standing still, but she's not. As a believer, watch this. Either we are developing or we are deteriorating. And just like good old Mr. Crab, that our environment is the one that's suffocating us. It's, our, it's the pressures of the governments. It's the pressures of the unknown. It's the pressures of sicknesses. It's the pressures of our next-door neighbors. Loss of loved ones. 
premature death, divorces. Our favorite football team got beat. And year after year, the first two or three years, we bounce right back. The first two or three years of our Christian life, when we get spirit-filled and, and gun-ho for Jesus, we say, we're the more than conquerors in him that loves us. But you let somebody walk out of our life, and you let the electricity get cut off, and you let the tires go flat, and, and year after year, you, you really, you may not say it in church because you're not that bold yet, but driving down the car by yourself, you say this, is it really worth it? I tried that Jesus stuff, and it's just not working. The more I prayed, the worse it got. The more I learned to tithe, the more my finances started going crazy. The more I confessed healing, I walk up on stage with crutches. It's not that funny, Melissa. See, she's laughing at you. I'm not laughing at you. And so like good old Mr. Crab, that what happens, our whole spiritual life is, watch this, is a succession of shedding things. Now, I don't really need a raise of hands, but anybody here been addicted to something and you finally got victory over that thing? Amen. I mean, we're not talking about like bad magazines and all. We're talking about maybe bad tempers, gossip, hate, bitter, all that stuff. And, and once, you, once you get victory over one thing, lo and behold, that thing had a cousin. <laughs> and the next thing is that thing knows where you live. And it has the key to your bedroom. So things 15 years ago that I was trying to get past, I got past them, but guess what? There's new things today. And so like good old Mr. Craig, our whole spiritual life, you as believers is this, is through the years of shedding things and, and breaking through things in our life that has one intention, is to suffocate us, that today would be your last day you would ever spend in this church house. Some of you this morning, last week, on the way somewhere, a spirit just said, why don't you just run off the road? Why don't you just hit that bridge at 90 miles an hour? No one cares if you live or die. Nobody sent you a Christmas card. Nobody sent you a birthday card. They don't care. Why don't you just hit the bridge and get it all over with? This person walked out of your life. That person said, I hate you. Why don't you just end it? Why don't you just put a gun to your head? Pretty strong words, but every one of them is true. And if you're a believer here this morning, and if you never heard those words, just hang around. Because every year the crustacean gets a little thicker. Watch this. And if you're not careful, the strength of Mr. Crab on the insides gets weaker. So that's why Galatians says, don't get weary in well-doing. Why would he say that? Because we get weary and well-doing. Are you agreeing with me? So what happens is, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, this is our, this is our talk, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Metamorphosis is the Greek word, but we know that the Latin word trans means to go beyond. Beyond. So there's a few... By definition, it means to be in constant motion or a sense of continual movement, the word trans, okay? So here's some English words that'll help you. Transport. 
transpose. Transcend. Transfer. Transition. By putting the prefix of trans in front of it, it's either you're moving to another octave, but you're going somewhere. You're going beyond to the original place that where you were today. The Apostle Paul is informing this New Testament church in Romans chapter 12 that they must constantly break through shells of fear, discontentment, doubt, discouragement, bitterness, unforgiveness, worry, anger, impatience, depression, rejection, and you can name a few because you know them very well. When Paul writes this, leave this up here. When Paul writes this, he's telling this church that once you get born again, that's settled in your heart once and for all. You can only be saved once. Once. But after that, there is a, a process of getting past these secessions of breaking free from fear and hate and doubt and bitterness and unforgiveness and all that stuff. And, and with an honest show of hands, we're still messing with stuff. I'm not there. I'm not there at all. I just come through Houston traffic about a month ago, and I'm not, I'm not free from road rage yet. <laughs> and neither are you, but you know what? Here's the deal. If you don't break it, and if you don't get out of it, it'll become your coffin. Because most funerals happen in the church. And I'm telling you right now, you're being suffocated by your environment. You're being suffocated by your family matters. You're being suffocated by your finances. You can be suffocated, but all this stuff's coming down on you. And even though you got the power of the God and the strength of God and all this stuff, and you think it's easy, but it's not that easy. That's why we call this thing a struggle or a fight. Jude says, contend for the faith. The word contend means two gladiators in an arena. Two goes in, one comes out. If you only knew your, your attitude towards your enemy, towards you, 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 think that, you, know, you, you think it's not a big deal. He's out to destroy us, mentally, physically, spiritually, maritally, whatever he can do. And I'm just telling you this morning, the Christian life is this. We've been doing this a long time, over 40 years, but I will tell you, it, it's not a one-time nod of the genie and everything's perfect. It's, it's once I get past that, I go, whoo, I'm past that, and guess what? All this other, this new stuff's on top of my back. Betrayment of a friend, but doing this and doing that, and somebody lied about you, and somebody misinformed truth about you, and all this stuff, and before long, you, you, you just say, what's the use? And the answer to that is, is simple, but it's multiple, but I'll tell you, the person sitting beside you, they're the use. Because that person beside you is worth the investment of you continue to keep the faith and carrying the gospel forward. Transition, transfer. And I will tell you, wherever I'm at right now, I'll be better tomorrow because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is moving us and he's transforming us into another dimension, which is the dimension of Christ in a, in a more better way. So you, we've got to learn to shed these things. 
And number two, I'll tell you, he's not going to do it for you. He won't do it for you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like crossing the road. Listen, you don't have to pray about it. Just look both ways and go. There are certain things in Christian life, I mean, God won't do for you. He's given you all the tools and ammunition, the resources, and he's going to leave it up to you. You do it. Somebody said, was it God or the devil that got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden? Neither one of them. Adam and Eve got themselves kicked out of the garden. So the idea this morning is that you've got, it's just the ways you look at it. So you've heard me say this, that, that two twin brothers in their 30s, identical twins, they go see a psychiatrist. They're doing a study on twins. Being, both of them being raised side by side in an alcoholic and a very abusive home. One has got a record about this long of, of being arrested, abusive, and DUIs. And the other one is a, is a CEO of a, of, of, of a major co- corporation. And so the psychiatrist asked the brother that's been arrested and he's still an alcoholic. He said, how is it at 30 years old that you're still an abusive to your family and you're an alcoholic? And he said, it's easy. My mother and father was abusive and they were an alcoholic. What did you expect? And he looked at the other guy that was a CEO and never taken a drink in his life. And he said, so how can you not be an alcoholic and you turn out good? He said, it's easy. My mother and father was an alcoholic. What did you expect? Just because you was raised with all this stuff in your home, you can either surrender and say, what did you expect? My mother and dad did this and dad did that. Or you can say, you know what, because I lived my life like this, what did you expect? I chose not ever to raise my family like this. So never use these things as a crutch to say, well, my mother and dad did this and my dad did this, and so that's why I do this. Listen, that's why the Bible said this, a man shall grow up and leave his father and mother. And he'll begin to cleave to God and God will be a father to the fatherless. And it means that if you didn't have a, a good pattern of instruction, then go to the Bible and hang around godly men and we're going to help you become better than what you were. So this is what the whole deal is this morning. It's about growing our succession. And you and I both know a lot of people in churches that have not yet shed a lot of things. And no, we're not judging them, but yes, we're judging them to the fact of this. We want them to come out of this and quit living a suffocated and a suppressed life. I don't know about you, but there's no life like living for Jesus in freedom. It's a great feeling. Even when they vote, you'll never make it. God will always prove them wrong. Breaking out of the fear, one of them is, is fear. Breaking out of the fear of failing. Breaking out of the fear of failing. Breaking through. Has anybody here been terrified? I mean, there's some people that are terrified getting on the ships. I'm terrified getting in the airplanes. I mean, it's crazy. If you're not careful, fear will control you, whether you get on a motorcycle or, or, or climb on top of this roof. You've got to get past the fear of failing. The fear of failing, whether it be your business, a marriage, you've got to get past it. Matter of fact, here's a couple, three little quotes. Babe Ruth, he set the record for years for the most home runs. But he also set the record for the most strikeouts. In home runs, Babe Ruth had about 714, but he had 1,330 strikeouts almost two to one. 
We want to talk about his home runs. But did you ever think that he went home with the strikeouts in the back of his mind? Have you ever struck out in things? Don't raise your hands. I mean, people only know you for the things that you've done positive, but you're the person that goes home with yourself and you're the person that replays all the other stuff. I mean, one Sunday we get the music right and the next Sunday it sounds like two cats in a, in, 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 a, in, in, in a clothes dryer. And I carry that around personally. I can, you, you may laugh at that. But, but while sitting here doing whatever I do up here, I mean, 95% of it's fine, but boy, you let me hit a bad note. or You, you don't have to remind me. I carry it all week. But just because I hit more bad keys than I do good keys sometimes, but I still am better than I was five years ago. And I'll be better in five more years, so just hang around. We know, we have reference that, that Henry Ford went bankrupt five times in the automobile industry before he finally got it right. And Thomas Edison, it took him over a thousand times before he got the modern light day light bulb invented right. Over a thousand times. You know, all these things are, learning from the failures is a vital part of the process for our success. Learning from our failures is a vital part for our success. So let's see what the Bible has to say about this. Proverbs 24, verse 15 and 16. Don't interfere with good people's lives and, and don't try to get the best of them. No matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people don't stay down long. And soon they're up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their face. Now this scripture in the King James said that even though a man will fall down seven times, he'll get up eight. He said that even though, he said, no matter how many times that they go down, watch this, God-loyal people, the people of God, God will make sure you'll get back up. If we have failed, it's a good learning process for you. It's just a step to help you tomorrow, not to repeat the past. But I will tell you one, one thing. Don't ever, don't ever be suffocated in, in the shell of fear of tomorrow. I told you two years ago, this time of February, when it happened and came out, I told you, and you can read it on the transcript, there's been a spiritual shift in our country. Yes. I told you that. I told you the Holy Spirit told me that there's a spiritual shift in the atmosphere. Things are about to change spiritually. And brother, it did. And there ain't another mask. There's not another vaccines. I mean, there's not enough to settle this spiritual, demonic state of confusion. But I'm just telling you, in the churches, we're, we've gone nuts. Just don't get in the business of creating more problems and suffocating people by your opinions. We're not interested in your opinions. I'm interested in what God's Word says. Amen. And so here's the deal. I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'm just not afraid. I work at a daycare. I'm not afraid of anything. 
But you see what it's done here? It has absolutely brought a tremendous amount of confusion to the church. And if you're not careful, you're being suffocated. Your spiritual man is being suffocated. And the enemy that cannot destroy you, he's doing a good job of just entombing you into fears, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, and you name them. Now, one of the things this morning, one of the things this morning is that there's a scripture found in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 and so on. And then the fourth night, which is about 3 a.m. Now, the reason why this is important to me because the Jews had three watches, the Romans had four watches. But somewhere between 3 and 4 a.m., in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. He sent them the boat. You know this, walking on the sea. So they're by themselves, and, and, and the boat's filling up, and they're all dying. And when the disciples saw Jesus walking the sea, they were troubled. And they're saying that it's a spirit, for they cried out with a fear. And, and now I want you to know that, that when, when, you're, when you're on a ship, and, and, and you're out in the middle of an ocean that's about two miles deep, and it's pitch black, it's a weird feeling. It's just weird. It's just weird. I mean, there's nothing inside. All it is is black. Now, they've got some, they've got some lights on the perimeter of the ship. Um, but when you understand that how big the ocean is, I think about stuff like this. And I've seen the waves get 14, 15, 16, 17 foot deep, 20 feet deep. We've had them where you just almost, you're laying in bed and you're jumping up and you're laying down and you're coming. But, but I, I think about this story a lot because I'll tell you, when it's 4 o'clock in the morning, there's not a lot to be found. The moon has hit its face and it is absolutely pitch dark. It's terrifying. And I'm going to tell you straight up that, that one of the most terrifying things that I can think of besides Mike Boyett moving in with me, besides that, <laughs> is to be in an ocean with a sinking ship at 4 a.m. in shark-infested waters. It goes through my mind, but I'm, I'm, I'm learning to get past that because I refuse to live in fear. I just refuse it. So they see Jesus coming in, and, and they cried out, and they were troubled. But watch what it says. They... But straightway Jesus spake unto them and said, Be of good cheer, it's me, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, Kyriakos, if it's really you, bid me to come. In the next verse, Jesus said, Come. Kleru is a Greek word for bid. Kelo is a word for to call. Kelaru is a word, a Greek word means to command words with authority. Now hear me, just hear me. I wrote this to remind you sometimes that we get in situations where you feel like that it's over. And you kind of feel like Mr. Crabbe and you say, well, it's not worth the struggle anymore. No matter how much I make, it's not enough. No matter how much I pay taxes, it's not enough. And no matter how friendly I'm at a church, it's not being reciprocated. And I will tell you that I wrote in here this word Jesus said, Peter said, if it's really you, what's this? I've got all these other 11 knuckleheads in here screaming and hollering like a bunch of girls. And I need somebody with a voice of authority to give me some good instructions what I need to do to survive this storm. 
And Jesus said, come. He doesn't say things like, oh, come on, it'll be okay. Come on. Come on. Peter, come here. It, it, his words just, anybody here in the military? First day boot camp, camp, the drill sergeant? Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Come here. Come to your mama. Come to daddy. You heard words like maggot and some other six-letter words. Sometimes, often that it's going to require strong words to motivate us out of our mess towards our success. Every once in a while, you're going to get in a funk. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'm going to look out there and I'm going to watch you and, and you're in a funk. Something's going on in your life. You're being suffocated. You get all this stuff. And, I, and, 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 and I'm watching you kind of come lifeless in here and lifeless out. But every once in a while, I'm telling you, I'm not in the begging business. I'm not in the pleading business. I'm here to incite you to break free from this mess. And Peter said, if it's really you, I'm having trouble hearing all the screaming and hollering of my 11 friends here, but if it's really you, bid me to come. I need some authority in my life to tell me, break free from this mess and come to me. And he did. Can you imagine the disciples? When they find out Peter's gone, they said, where'd he go? And somebody said, I don't know. Last time I saw him, he was heading towards Jesus. You see, I'm here to tell you this morning that often, often, watch this. It's not the fact that I, I think that you're illiterate to the things of God. It's not the fact that I think that you're not capable of being strong men and women of God. But sometimes it's going to require a strong voice to motivate you from your mess to your success. And I'll come to you and I'll say, you need to quit acting like that. You need to quit talking like that. You need to repent. If you, if you hurt somebody's feelings, you go right back to them, look them square in the eye and say, I made a mistake. I'm going to make better choices in my life. And I'll tell you, people will appreciate you and, and, they, and they'll have a greater sense of value for you out of respect. That's the way it is. So every once in a while, when we find ourselves being suffocated by stuff, that's my job to speak strong words to you and say, listen, there's better days ahead. Let's quit that mess. Let's start giving God our best. That's my job. Two things to remember that in case you decide to step out of your shell of something that's trying to hold you down until you drown. Number one, often Christ will bid you to come without all of your buddies for their approval or support. And any place that Jesus will ask you to come will be safer, stronger, and more satisfying than your present condition. So we all get in this like Mr. Crab. We all get in this place where for years that we broke through this and for years that we broke through that and for years and we watched friends Suffocate and die spiritually if you're not careful. They may not be spiritually dead, but they're close to it because they just can't get free from that shell of we named them. 
But I will tell you, in any situation dealing with Peter in this boat, often Christ will call you and bid you to come, watch this, without the approval or the acceptance of other people. And number two, the good thing about it is wherever Christ is compelling you to come, he'll be in a better place than your present position. So the question is this morning, what's trying to suffocate you? And are you tired of struggling it? Whether it be a bad temper, alcohol, methamphetamines, bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, arrogancy, you can name them. But what is it absolutely that's trying to entomb us and we just quit struggling, we quit fighting and say, well, this is just the way it's going to be for the rest of our life. That's a lie. The Bible says in 1 John 1 and 1, greater is he that's in you. So this morning, we're all faced with this. I want this church to be very successful. And by being successful, it means there's shedding successive shells that are trying to entomb you along your way. Father, this morning, if we're truly going to be the New Testament church, then honesty is, has got to be the common denominator. Not only being honest with you, but honest with ourselves. And every one of us in this place and all through this country and all through the world, Christian men and women struggle on the inside. Now the problem is, Father, that sometimes they find other people to give them advice that saying that their present condition is all right. But you bidded Simon Peter to come. You would not allow him to stay and allow that boat to be his coffin. So I pray for every one of us this morning that, that even though that we have broke through some shells of disobedience and fear and unbelief, doubt, division, but as of this morning, we find ourselves being encased by something maybe new. So we're asking you to help us, give us the strength to break through every shell that we may grow in you and be stronger in the days to come. Because in this church, there are people here that, have, that will sing songs that have never sung before. They will preach sermons they have never preached before. They will give cups of cold water. They will hand out loaves of bread. They will hand out warm clothes. They will shake hands. There are so many things that awaits the people of God. So speak to us this morning. Get our attention. Never let us be satisfied with the religious status quo of being conformed. But we've been called to transform. We've been called to go beyond where we're at today. I pray that you heal every home that's under attack. Every marriage that's trying to be divided. We pray they'll find peace when they go home. I pray for those that are being entombed by guilt and shame. 
I pray that the blood of Christ will just cover them and they'll walk out of this place without condemnation. I pray for everyone this morning that's afraid of something. I pray that God, you have not given us the spirit of fear, but the power and love and saved brains that we may live for you, we may work for you, we may walk with you without fear of rejection, depression, retaliation. That's what you've called us to do. Help us to do that this morning as we go on our journey in Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, amen. If you believe any of that, give the Lord a praise offering this morning, huh? Can I give you a little sidebar? Communion service, please come. Can I give you a little sidebar? Oh, baby, you've come a long way since we first met. You've come a long way since we first met. I'm not telling you you've arrived. I'm just telling you you've left the launching pad. You're well on your way. Thank you for that. Thank you for being kind and understanding. Thank you for being gentle. And if you've offended someone, have hurt someone, be the first to repent. If someone has been unkind and ungentle to you, be the first to forgive. Because I'll tell you, unforgiveness is no way you want to spend the rest of your life as a coffin. I think communion 2,000 years ago, what Jesus was really trying to do, not only establish a format of, of his body and his bloodshed for us, but communion was a transition period. He was transforming these men into something else. So the bread and the cup is the only two elements that we have visibly that would help us move us closer to Christ. And we can have feelings and we can have unctions and we can have all kinds of things, but it's the physical evidence of the, the bread, the body of Christ that was broken. Never broken down, only broken open. And on that cross, when he was broken open, this is what come out of him. Father, forgive them for they just don't know what they do. The shed blood of Jesus was the forgiveness of sins through the, the righteousness of God through Christ. So this morning, once again, that we celebrate Holy Communion to help us in our struggles. If you're struggling here this morning, Holy Communion will help you. Father, we pray that you bless this cup this morning, bless this bread. And for all of us that are struggling today, better days await the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.